0: So, welcome to the Captain's Table. We have a special guest. It's, it's March time. March means March madness as far as NC2A basketball. And we have the head coach of the University of Portland, the Portland Pilots, Shante Leggins with us. Shante, how are you?
1: I'm doing good, Uncle Dave. I wish I was uh... I wish I was playing instead of being on your podcast. To be honest, uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> well, you all just, good.
0: You just blew my cover. You called me Uncle Dave, so you, you, you might have to explain that to listeners um, down the road. Oh, but yeah, we've will, known each that. other for a long time.
1: Yes, we have forever. Yeah. So, here forever.
0: you definitely didn't have an easy path to you know be where you are now um, in any in any respect, right?
1: No, not at all. You know, I. I I uh I grew up uh you know without a uh, without a father, single mom, um, you know place to place, uh you know in and out of different boys clubs and in and out of different schools at certain times uh, growing up. But you know my mom did a great job of putting some you know very unique people in my life that you know put me on the right path and found an outlet and basketball was, was an outlet for everything. And it was a way that, you know, that I got through a lot of different, you know, different things. You know, don't do good in school. You can't play basketball. So I did good in school. You know, don't do good in school. Can't go over a friend's house. Don't do good in school. You know, all, all those things, you can always relate back to basketball at the time. Um, until, you know, I started, like I said, got some pretty, pretty special people in my life as, as uh, my, you know, I started moving forward in life. And I thought my mom did a, an amazing job of, finding the right people and and she did an amazing job herself but um I had I had a great uh I had a great supporting, you know, system as I grew up.
2: Was there anyone that introduced you to the love of basketball when you started off as a kid?
1: No, man, I, you know, um when I got when I had to go live with my grandparents for a little bit, I just remember uh just bits and pieces, you know, we were playing basketball, uh me and my next door neighbor, it was it was actually a girl named Keisha uh that went to USC but um, we would play basketball, we'd pull out our trash cans and sit them on the edge of each each person's driveway, and we'd just play one-on-one and, and shoot baskets into the trash can for a long time. And, and uh, you know, we didn't get to watch much sports on TV when I was with my grandparents down in LA. Uh, it, you know, my, my grandfather was a pastor, and my grandmother was uh, the first lady of the church. The only thing we got to watch was the Laker games and, 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 and football games. And so that's the only thing I got to watch on TV. And so I think that's how I started liking the game a lot. And then, you know, the older kids were always playing basketball. And that's the only time I, you know, I got to play hoops. It was after school or, you know, either with uh, Keisha across the street or <laughs> or I got to stay later at school, which was, you know, which was awesome because it was so much uh, chaos at my grandparents house. It
2: sounds like the love of love and basketball movie that uh, I remember seeing <laughs> growing <Yeah>. up. <out. laughs> and when did, yeah, you,
0: no, when did you get involved crazy. in the Big Brother program?
1: Um I got involved in the big brother program, so uh, I moved back in with my mom uh probably around like fourth grade and, and four, third or fourth grade and uh we were going to the boys club at the time and i was playing i was playing ball at the boys club and you know she's just like, you know you need somebody you need a big you know you need somebody in your life that can really help you out so she called up u c s b because um or, or the people called u c s b uh, uh esmeralda was her name and they called up u c s b and and said, hey, we have a, we have a, you have a young kid here who loves basketball, would love to have one of the players, you know, be his big brother, you know. And and at the time, you, you know, I didn't know anything about how college kids, you know, especially basketball players, don't have that much time to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, that's the kind of person, you know, that's who I wanted to be. Uh, my big brother was a player. So, you know, he's around basketball and everything like that. But they called and, um, you know, Jerry Penn, who was a head coach at the time, um, you know, asked his assistants, Hey, do you know, anybody who would want to be a big brother, a big, you know, a big brother to this young, you know, young kid who's, you know, who obviously needs some help and things like that. And Ray Lopes was 29 at the time. And he said he would do it, um, and so when I found all this stuff out and, then you know, I found out he was 29, my first thing was, he's way too old. <laughs> I don't want to hang out with that guy. He ain't, yeah, you, you, know, want, you and,
0: wanted uh, a, play, a playmate besides a big brother. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I wanted a player. and uh, But, but you know, um, my mom says, now you're going to do it. And, you know, the rest is history. We, we've been, he's been in my life since about, you know, going my fourth, fifth grade. And uh, he became, he was a college coach at UCSB. Then, you know, just like everything else broke my heart. And, you know, I didn't know about, again, I didn't know about the profession. He just, I thought he was going to be there forever. And then he ends up, you know, uh, leaving Jerry Pym and going to go work for Kelvin Sampson at Washington State. And so, you know, I was, I was devastated. I thought, you know, again, it's just, this always happens or whatever. But we kept our relationship and, you know, that was my, he, I had to get on a, he, he paid for a flight for me to go visit him. In the summers up in uh up in pullman again i didn't know anything about pullman or anything like that but i got on a plane for the first time ever he paid for it i sat down he flew with me actually and we talked about college basketball and how i'd break all bobby hurley's record all these records i wanted to break the assist record and um so i'd spend a lot of time with him in the summers um and then he got the job in oklahoma with kelvin kelvin he went to oklahoma with kelvin and then I went and uh, visited him in, in Oklahoma. I thought that's why I'd go play, but he was the assistant coach at the time, and I spent a lot of time with him. I mean, my dream was to play for him, but you know, I I didn't get why I couldn't play for him, even though he was the assistant coach. So, mm-hmm. you know, Kelvin, they liked me, but it, I thought it was a a, a weird dynamic. So I, you know, I ended up going to Cal, and he ended up being at Oklahoma. And then going into my senior year at Cal, he became the head coach of Fresno State, and so. I said, you know what the hell, go play for him. And, uh, you know, I stumped it was one of my dreams uh, to play for him. And I, I got to do that. And it was it was a lot of fun, you know, when you go back and look at it. And it's funny because I talked to all these kids about fit and, you know, what they need to do with, you know, where they go. I, I, it was the best it was the best year of basketball I've ever played. I was the best I've ever been in my whole entire life. Mm. It was my redshirt year. And then the next year I averaged about 16 points and six assists a game um, or 15 and six, which, which you know, was, was amazing. I was part of a team and I was a big big part of it so you know it, it, it helped me see so you had um, you had ray the, behind wild. you
0: all this time but you also you had sal rodriguez
1: yeah i had sal rodriguez at the boys club um i had uh, you know i had i had you um, so those three you, you know you three guys were, were huge in my life um as i grew up and so it was ray lopes uh sal rodriguez and, and dave and so um you know, those guys were guys I leaned on for almost everything. And then Mark, obviously, Marimura,
3: yeah, um, were guys
1: I leaned yeah. on, you know, constantly, all the time. And that's who my mom leaned on. And if I ever got in trouble, that's who she'd call. It. And if I was ever stuck or didn't know what I was doing, that's who I'd call. So for uh, people who so don't
0: thinking, know, part part of this being an underdog is you were five, about 5'8", five, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm and, 5'10, but you always call me yeah, I'll take, I'll take well, I, I
0: don't know. I think you're stretching that 5'10. Don't let him cheat
2: you out of those two inches. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, 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 no.
0: But you big were also, if we're going to call you 5'10, you weren't one of those 5'10, 190 pound guys like an NFL no, you know, corner or size cornerback. Not even
1: a little bit. You were a, no.
0: a light 160, maybe, right?
1: Yeah, I was 160. Going into college, it was a big deal because I was 160, like. I was actually 150 something going in. I was 17 when I took my first, you know, went to college my first year. And then I, you know, I'm a July 30th baby. So I turned 18, but I was like 150 something going into my freshman year. And then I got to about my playing weight was about like 175 my senior year of college. But I was always really, you know, thin, but I was really strong out here. So,
0: okay. So Um, even if you're 5'10", you're still a small point guard.
1: Yeah, and, yes. and
0: uh, not not to embarrass you in front of whatever this audience is going to wind up, you know, being. <laughs> that means you're about to be embarrassed. <laughs> you 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 would not say you were the most athletic kid, right? No, you're, you're no, not. I, you're I'm not running definitely. a four four forty. You don't have a three inch vert. You don't have super long arms. You know, so no, none,
1: none of that. No, I, I had I had none of that. But what what you know, what I figured out young is I could I could uh, I could I could manipulate the game um the way I needed it to happen at certain times I could you know I I could you know get my teammates to really feel like they're you know in a certain spot I could manipulate the defense and find guys and you know I could shoot the ball really well so when you could do those things and you understood I understood the game really well but it all you know I I, I, you know I always thought I could figure games out and how to win them you know it didn't matter you just got to win that one game and I thought I was really really good at that yeah I was not athletic at all You had to be a pretty heady
2: basketball player, obviously, if you weren't that athletic, and yet you scored 15 points a game in your senior year with uh, about six assists per game. Uh, You were someone who obviously had a good feel of what the game was supposed to be like um yep. did you reflect that did you have that innately in you or was this uh just the coaching that you received from from dave and, and some of the other folks well, no I think. It,
1: it was it was from from an early age you know you're always trying to win a game and uh you know any game you play and so when i got around people who who loved the game and i, I mean I, I would have conversations with all the day's coaches like you know josh oppenheimer eric eric hard and all these guys that he had around we'd always talk basketball i didn't talk about anything else you know I, there was nothing else that I thought I could connect with anybody about because that's all I, you know that's all I knew was basketball you know I, I you know and then the people I was around you know I, I spent time with my the adults in my life they love basketball and so it, it just it just came on I just you know you talk about reading books and all. I would never read a school book but I'd read a, if you gave me a basketball book I'd read that four times <laughs> you know wow. um the same book it, it didn't matter and I'd see it differently and so you know, coming up. I mean, I got to spend some summers with with Dave and Josh and things like that in the summer. And Mark, um, you know, because you know, my mom would say, "Hey, go spend go spend a week or two, and I would do that. And we'd just talk basketball and go work out and you know talk about just just hoops all day. It, it wasn't like it was a.
0: So you got to refresh my memory. Yeah. Uh, you know, you confirmed that I was right. You were you were driven down to L. A. every weekend for that spring oh, league gosh. at L. A. City College is an eighth grader. But yeah. I I can't remember. How did you come to us? We weren't recruiting so, an eighth grader in Santa Barbara. No, who at the so time Liddell, was probably, what, 5'5 five, five when you were an eighth grader? I
1: was probably, I was probably shorter than that, yeah. if you want to be honest. Okay. But Liddell, you remember Liddell Hill? Oh, yes. Um, okay. He had a team at the Santa Barbara Classic or Easter Classic in Santa Barbara. And we beat, uh, we beat PTI. I think it was PTI at the time we beat the 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 rebels or whatever that that we beat some la teams and uh and i was with the galita boys club so it was just me and a bunch of kids from the galita boys club you know and but i was getting to play and i was you know at that time i could dribble i could shoot you know i could do everything that the older kids can i shoot threes i did everything um i can go you know get to my left i was left-handed so it was obviously an advantage playing against little kids um but I was dribbling through presses and scoring. And he said, hey, you should come down to, to one of our practice. You talk to my mom. And at the time, my mom didn't know what to do with me. So <laughs> when he came and talked to my mom, he said, come down to a, uh, come down to a practice. You know, uh, we have this all-star team or he said uh, a, a traveling team. Um, and he started talking to my mom about it. My mom was really – she was slick. She wasn't, like, going to get hustled by it. And we – you know, I've gotten told by a bunch of people come do this, come do that. But I guess Liddell, you know, say, hey, come check it out. There's a practice or whatever. And so we went down and I remember going down and <clears throat> I was in eighth grade and, you know, in Santa Barbara or Goleta, I was the man. Like I was, no one, you know, I was in fifth grade. I was in eighth grade. I was better than everybody. I was pretty sure I was gonna play varsity, all, all this crazy stuff. And uh, I get down there and, and the first drill we do, we, you know, we're doing the finishing drills and then we go three on two, two on one. And there was a kid named Tariq. i told you the story he had tattoos on his you know he had tattoos oh, i was that's right. Tariq away. Bragg
0: from westchester high oh, school oh my god and right. he
1: went and dumped the ball on a three-on-two two-on-one and we had a water break and i went and told my mom it's time to go this is not <laughs> me. This these these kids are out here balling <laughs> this ain't for me and i just remember saying i drove down here you're going to stay here <laughs> and we're going to go through this so you know so after that first day, you know, it, it was I was really I was scared, to be honest, you know, I was scared my first uh, the first 30 minutes of practice. And then, I, you know, you started playing and then I, I I couldn't get enough. You know, I would always come back down to Santa Barbara and, and my practices and, and what I learned in L.A. And, and with, the you know, and practices down there, I would take them down and I would do the same thing during that whole week until that next Saturday. I would do it against the kids that I was playing against. I would do everything that I learned that whole week. And then Saturday, I would go up there and make, see if I can do it against the better players. And then I started again on Monday, you know, I'd go up there Saturday and Sunday, my mom would drive two and a half hours both ways. And, you know, for her, she said it was the best time of her life. Cause we got to spend, you know, four hours in the car together and, you know, me ripping and running and, and, and not, you know, being able to stay, you know, being able to stay still. That was a, that was a time she got me for four hours. Yeah. Your train. mom mentioned to me, she liked kicks.
0: it because she was able to, to actually have deep conversations with you.
1: Oh yeah. She asked me everything. We talked about everything. That's when we became super close that, you know, me and my mom would fight. You know, I was always, you know, upset that I had to leave her, you know, when I was younger and, and different things like that, but having the opportunity to have those t- that time with her. And then, you know, what'd you think about today? And she, she learned basketball. Um, She knew everything about hoops after after a little bit. She was, you know, she was with me and and she knew that's what I loved. And I mean, we talked about basketball players. She could tell you anything about a player. (laughs) She would give your opinion about it. Dave, Dave knows she'll give an opinion about anything. Uh, but what she never did, she never bothered the coaches about me playing or anything like that. She would tell me, you're not any good if the coach ain't playing. You better start playing. It ain't on you if the, the coach wants to win. <laughs> yeah. you know, if, he, if you were good enough to win, he'd play you. I could tell you that. You know, She would well, always tell me that. Well said, right? I and, mean, that's uh, yeah. that,
0: that's just common sense. But people, and parents especially, oh. it's tough for them to think that way.
1: Yeah. you. Could, I, I couldn't get in the car and tell her that, oh, man, they did this wrong to me. She says, no, 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 no. You did it wrong. <laughs> you turned it off. That's why you're sitting down. You know she always would give you the truth right after you know, even in the devastating moments <laughs> um but she was she was always great, and those are the best times I've had you know with with my mom and and we got really close i mean you know and 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 you know anybody who who knew my mom knew how close we were, and so um that was that was some of the best times of my life going up you know driving those hours. I don't know if anybody would ever do that you know a parent or anything in the middle of you know their weekend, just go you know wake up at seven, drive down there, get down there by nine thirty. And then uh, you know get get into the gym and <laughs> go to practice and then get you know stop at that little Taco Bell on the way back, eat sure, Taco Bell, sure. get the nachos with the cheese that Dave hated yeah. uh, ate, and then uh, you know get back in the car the next day and do it again. I well, mean, let's I take don't know, a, a lot of parents are doing it.
0: Let's take a break right here, and uh, we're going to go to
3: commercial, and then we'll come back in a couple minutes. Okay. Perfect. So, uh, welcome back to the captain's table with our guest, Shantae Leggins,
0: current head coach of the Portland Pilots, and when we left off, we were hearing about sort of his upbringing as a young basketball player and his experiences, and I want to jump now, um, we're going to skip past high school and all that stuff, Uh, well, we're going to do a little bit of high school because we got to talk about your recruitment, because, um, again, you had one offer and you were playing for yeah. our club team, the Los Angeles Rockfish, and you had some, some pretty good teammates on that team. And I'm trying to remember if, if you weren't, the, you obviously weren't the first to be offered, but were you the first to commit?
1: Um, I, I was, Um, you know, my grandfather, you know, I, I, I was, you know, you get all the recruitment and all those things and you get schools, East coast and all that kind of stuff is, you know, going back, you know, all this crazy stuff. And, and uh, you know, when, My grandfather was, you know, alive. He always said, Hey, you just got to go to a school that you like. And once you go to, you pick a school and, and it's, and you're done. Just deal with it. And so when Cal offered me, um, you know, we went on that visit and I told the boys on the visit I was going to go. Then I had to talk, you know, I had to talk Brian and Nick into doing it. I know, uh, you know, Brian, Brian was thinking about it anyway. But once I committed, I thought that was, that was them for, uh, you know, that was them for, you know, them to go. And the recruitment process was weird for me because, you know, like you said, that was it. Was the only it was one of the, it was pretty much the only West Coast school that offered me.
0: I thought it was and, your uh, only offer.
1: No, well, we had nothing. It was Gonzaga. Gonzaga called, and they did all that, um, you know. And then I had all the stuff when we went back east uh, for the Bob Gibbons and different things. That small, you know, schools from over there offered me and do things. But it was the only school on the West Coast that ever offered me. Ah, so okay. You know, okay. Du- du- Duquesne came in because they hired Josh Oppenheimer. They wanted to get the starting five um you know it was, it was it was they were trying to get me i wasn't a dummy you know i, I knew what it was they were trying to get me to get my teammates you know <laughs> because i was close with everybody on the team i had i had a kind of personality and so like i was friends with you know every you know every guy there was no clicks on that team and uh it was one of the best teams i've ever played on at least talent wise and so you know, i think you know a lot of schools said if we, we could recruit shantay then he'll probably bring at least two or three of his teammates with him. You know, and that that's at the time. I mean, everyone, you know, recruited us that way. <laughs> and um it was pretty cool. It was it was a good thing. I mean, I was on the team with Brian Weathers, who was a top fifty kid. I was on a team with Nick Vanderlaan, who was a top fifty kid or should have been. I was on a team with Delron Johnson, Rafael Baruman. Uh, I mean, that team was loaded, you know. And then you had Russell Lakey on the bench. I mean, all these kids, and it was like it was probably one of the only teams that you could say that we all played team basketball, but everybody on that team, except our leading scorer, I believe Eric seats is the only one that didn't go D1, but everyone else went D1 on that team of 10 or 11. It was, it was something crazy, you know, and it was a really good team. Uh, we were all close. We're still close today. I still talk to a lot of those guys today, um, uh, which is, which is pretty cool. And, and, uh, but yeah, the, the recruitment part was, was wild, but I knew I was, I was a tool to get the other guys, which, you know, <laughs> it's life, right? <laughs> As you get older, you start figuring stuff out. That's why, that's why I was five, you know, five ten, hanging out with the the big six ten guys. I I knew that I was actually eating off of them. They didn't know. It <laughs> the well,
2: I think you're being a bit modest, though, because I'm I'm taking a look at the stats in 1999. As, as a freshman, you scored 9.4 points per game, uh, yeah. according to this, and and 3.7 assists, 2.3 rebounds. Uh, that's pretty good coming in as a freshman, going into uh, Pack uh, Pack Ten. I believe at that time, not Pac twelve yeah. just yet. Yeah, Pac ten. Yeah, don't Pac ten basketball. With,
1: don't mix me in with the Pac. <laughs> yeah. We're Pac ten, babies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when so, when Stanford, ballers balled, Pac-10. is that what you're you said? Yeah. There you go. There you go. When they were hooping, when you had to play against Stanford, who was number one, flip around and play Arizona, then flip around and play UCLA, and flip around and play USC, and then Oregon had Luberina. Yeah, that was crazy. Absolutely,
2: was absolutely, sir.
1: So. Uh, it was fun. No, I, I was in a good spot. Um you know, I, I, like you said, I knew the game, right? And I knew how to play it. And, you know, there was, there was really talented kids on our team. There was a kid named Circus King um, that was a senior when I was a freshman, very quick, couldn't shoot it. So, But he was very quick, so I knew he couldn't shoot it, but I knew I couldn't guard him. So I'd let him shoot every shot in practice that he wanted <laughs> to shoot. Anything you wanted to do outside the key, I'd guard him at the free throw line, you know. Um, you know, pressure, pressure. And I'd be like, why would I pressure this kid? You know, he's faster, stronger, you know, um and then the other kid that was that was one of the most talented kids and I wish if he was playing today, I'd make sure he was on my team was Dante Smith. He wasn't you know, he's what they he's what everybody loves today, right? Uh, a guy that's not a point guard, but a guy that's not a two guard, but he can handle it, he can score it, he's like more like a lead guard, but at the time no one knew how to use him. And so he wasn't a point guard, so he couldn't really run the offense. And he wasn't a true two guard because he wasn't he was like six three and a half, six four, right? So you know he was in a bad spot, but he was probably one of the most talented kids I've probably ever. That's know, that's been a around. great lead
0: into something I want to talk about with you. So, yeah. you get this scholarship, and you know we've heard you know a little bit of a rough upbringing coming up and all that. So you get this scholarship, you're hmm. thrilled. You go to yeah. Cal, and then I get a call from you. I think at the end of your first week or something. Do you remember you were you were upset? Do you remember my what you're freshman ups- year? Yeah, you remember what you're upset yeah. about?
1: Oh, uh, probably something. I what was it?
0: Okay, so Dante Jones had been the city player of the year in Baltimore. Yeah, Dante Smith. Yeah, Dante Smith. Smith, I'm sorry. It it was like a big deal that Cal was able to go to Maryland and get this kid, right? Yeah. So, and they brought him in to be the point, right, at the time. Yeah. And so you were playing the first week, and in the scrimmages, you were with the walk ons and the scholarship guys who basically didn't play versus all the kids that were like in the first eight or something, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. I and you that. were, and you were calling me to tell me, Dave, we're beating the best guys every time that we play. And I'm, and I'm beating Dante and still he's the number one guy. And I think I said something to you like, what, have you been at school for four days? I mean, can you? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. no, no, <laughs> I remember now I was ready to pack
1: my shit and go, I was ready to pack my stuff and get out of there. I, I do remember. Cause, I remember call because I didn't call my mom. I called you and you told me. <laughs> you said tough. I forget what you told me, but I remember you telling me just keep doing it and you'll be fine. Uh, but I do remember we were. He, so I was I was part of the gold squad um, the first the first couple of weeks of practice. And so the gold squad exactly what 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 you know I was on their team with you know the walk ons and like the guys that never played the year before and it was playing against all you know. And so the thing that was really killing me was when we go back to the the. It's not like nowadays um how the guys act but we'd go back to our dorm room then we start talking you know trash about the day mm. you know now everyone's too you know too too touchy to talk about things but we go back <laughs> and talk about how i killed and you killed and i beat you one-on-one and so we'd go back to the room and i you know i'd be like we beat y'all We, you know i would be talking trash and then what they could always you know in the in the in the whole conversation with was you with the dudes you ain't playing bro <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like we beat y'all and he said it don't matter it don't matter and so um, I just remember they always would tell me that because Joe Bryan, because I lived with Joe Bryan and Nick Vanderlin, so Joe Shipp, who's a Cal- uh, L- L.A. kid, Brian Weathers down from you know played with us down there, and then Nick Vanderlin, and then myself, we all lived in the same in the same um, you know dorm, and so they were they were with the players, they were hooping. Now yeah. again, I was the guy that they just brought along for the ride, pretty much. And then uh, you know as we as the year kept going, we you know my whole thing was to win every drill. Make sure you, your teams, you know, you beat, you beat the other team. You outplay the point guard. You don't turn it over. You know, you don't do anything. You know, I went, I went, you know, once the season started, I went like four or five games without a turnover. You know, that was one of the things I was most impressed about. And I was shooting like, I was a top shooter in like one of the top five shooters in the country from three, you know, I would, I'd be in the gym all day. And so, um, you know, that, that really fueled me um, because I'm like, I'm killing man. Why am I not, why, why am I not playing with the dudes? You know? And so, it's just funny you brought that up because that is something that, uh you know, they would always end it with you're, you're on the gold team, man. Yeah. Well, as, it's as part, this part is of your being an underdog.
0: Here. And I want to say yeah. that it took, it actually only took two weeks, I think. At the end of two weeks, they made the switch. It's like, okay, you're off the gold squad and you're playing with oh. these guys. Wow. And because, and I think you articulated it very well um, that it wasn't that Dante wasn't a very good player. But he oh, was, did, yeah. he, But they didn't know what to do with him since he wasn't a one, and they brought him in to be a one, and he didn't have the feel for the one. It wasn't a talent thing, a physical no. talent thing. And so they needed somebody to run the club. Mm. And, and, no, and, 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 you know, coaches are always watching. I, I still tell point guards, you're, they're, they're looking at the score when a lot when they're looking at point guards Is your team winning because you're like the quarterback of a football
1: team. that's exactly it you know and i I will never say i was more talented than dante dante was so good at basketball like when i got there in the summer for summer bridge and we were playing pickup i'm like man well looks like and he was a freshman he was a freshman because he redshirted the year before i said well looks like him and i are going to be uh looks like he and i will be uh battling it out for a long time i'll be you know you know carrying his bag so they said he was that good in the summer and then once, once, you know, and this is what a lot of kids don't think of. Like I, I wasn't a really good at the time, like a really good pickup ball player. You know, mm. um, I needed to know what we were trying to do to win a game, pick up ball, you are hooping. It's just, it's talent. You're just going out there, you're rolling the ball and I'm going to make a play. And I'm going to be able to, you know, beat this guy. And I know I I can make a, a talent play. I was talented, but those guys like are just, like Uber talent. He was like, he was unbelievably good at basketball and, uh, but once we got into practice and once there's a score there and once there was, you know, we're trying to win and we have this, what we have to do and we have to get this kid the ball and we have to make sure, you know, keep this kid happy with a couple of jump shots every now and then. But Sean Lampley's the man, but we have to try, you know, that's when, you know, you start figuring out who the guys are going to play. Like you could be like sitting on the end of the bench and be the best player in the world, but you just don't know how to play with other guys. You know, this, you know, that's why it's a team sport. And so I was, I was good with better players. And luckily, like like I said, I I played four years with some of the best players in the country. And I, you know, it wasn't about me going to get buckets, but I think what helped me and I tell this to a lot of people and a lot of AAU kids and a lot of high school kids is I would average 30 points for my high school team. I would go down. I'd average 30, get every shot I wanted. And I'd go play with the rockfish and get like nine points and have like 15 assists and win all the games because I got the best of both worlds. I got to be the man, but then I also got to be a part of a team that had a bunch of men or a bunch of other mans on their team. And so I figured out how to do that. And so I thought that really helped me. Um, I thought that really helped me uh, in my development of understanding, like, when a team needed me to score and when a team didn't need me to score. And so I think that helped me too once I got the cow.
2: Sounded like you were a natural floor general, having some understanding as to the – Attributes of your players, uh, your competition, uh, seeing who would be best utilized in various positions. And so you were a distributor and and certainly understood your worth and your talent. Uh, And I would assume that uh, carried over in reference to going into your coaching career, which we'll talk about later on. But um, just the ability to be that floor general was it something that was innately instilled in you or did you get that from childhood even with your mom
1: well yeah yeah you could say that because you know like whenever we play games you know it, even with my brothers who are they're much older than me but I'd be put in positions to try to you know help win the game and I, I was always like better at certain things than other kids you know at, at the time I wouldn't say I could throw football I could catch. I, I was pretty much, you know, good at all my all the sports because those you know, I had older brothers, I had older cousins, and so I, I figured all that stuff out. But like, understanding the game and and figuring out ways to win, I just think that was just one of the things that, you know, growing up with my mom, she'd cheat in cards, try to figure out how to beat me in Rummy, you know, our cheesy, <laughs> and so we just figure out ways to win. And so um, as that went on, it seemed like my whole family was like that, and I bled over to the game, I bled over to basketball, and, and so. Once I started figuring out ways to win, you know, and I wasn't, you know, I could be really cutthroat. And Dave, I'll fight with anybody on the court. I mean, I used to get beat up a lot on playing basketball. You know, I was the smallest guy, but I'd fight with the biggest dudes on the team. Um, but it was, it was one of those things where they knew that I was doing everything I could to help them win. And then I would do anything to help a teammate w- win a game. I'd make them look good all the time. And I think that's just something... That just came with me, you know, wanting to be, you know, wanting to be liked, actually, maybe just making sure everybody on the court was good. But I also got to be myself and be express, you know, and get to express my, you know, myself. I, you know, I got to let a lot of things out on the court that, you know, you're not allowed to do just, you know, being a regular, you know, a regular, I say, student or a regular person, you know, walking around. You get to, you get to throw your elbow here. You get to hit somebody hard with a scream. You could scream as loud as you want. You could get your guys together, you know. And so I think that, um, you know, growing up and having, you know, the right people around me and and being able to focus that, you know, I wouldn't say anger, but a lot of, you know, um, uh, you just, you know, you just could focus, you had the right people to start focusing you in the right direction with a lot of different things where you didn't have to lash out, you know, Mm -hmm. in class, you didn't have to lash out, you know, you know, just doing something stupid. You know, I, I was, I was actually really blessed with having, like I said, those people in my life and these coaches that, that put me in the right direction and understood that, you know, this kid is actually pretty good at basketball. He has a future. And so, you know, I do want I to clarify when you, him. when
0: you were with us anyways, never once was I tempted to get up and say, Shante, shut up. No, um, no. no. And I
1: wouldn't stop talking. No, so he no. Was, <laughs> but, I mean, I, you know, I saw him and he, I mean, I had teammates. I mean, I, I was a talker and I didn't stop talking. The mm-hmm. game would start um i'd start talking to the other team i you know I, i'd start going and i had no problems with him we played pickup ball I, i'd talk i mean i would get in fights with saw you know solomon hughes when i was in college i cut him off he i mean he they held me back he punched me and right in the mouth i, I got hit in my mouth by a big six foot eleven guy you know boom, boom. not i mean but you know i was messed up i went down and grabbed a lock because i was going to go beat him up and then you know 25 minutes later. You know, Solomon is such a nice guy. He comes to my house and says, hey, Shantae, Ch- 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 I'm really sorry, man. I'm like, oh, I'm good. Come on, let's play a video game. I didn't care. It was just in the game. It was in the moment. He gets to do a lot of different things on the court that, uh, that you're not allowed to do outside the court, you know. And so I think that, that really helped me um, with my leadership in yeah. different ways because people want to follow a guy that's fearless, I think.
0: So we're going to take another break in a sec here. And I just want to say, so, you know, you actually set a few records at Cal, and then you transferred, like you said, and you had a, a great year after a redshirt year at Fresno State. And then you go overseas for two years, the two different teams in Holland. And when we come back, mm-hmm. I want to pick up right there. and We'll talk a little bit about um, that experience and then um, how you wound up getting into coaching. All right. So yeah. no we're problem. taking a
3: break from the captain's table. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the captain's table, and we
0: still have Shante Leggins on, who's got a a lot to say, Um, very articulate young coach with a bright future up at the University of Portland as the head coach of the Portland Pilots basketball program in the WCC. So when we left off, we were talking about, you. we've gone through your college career, and then you played pro ball in Europe for two years, in Holland, right? Both, Both years. Yeah.
1: In yeah. Holland, yeah. I played one year at, uh it's called Weird W R E E T and then another year in Groningen. Now Groningen. you
0: probably could have played more, so now why did you just play the two years?
1: Well um uh, well the fir- first I didn't play when I first got done with college. I took that year to to start my coaching career actually. I was a uh I was a gratis well I was oh I don't know if you're allowed to say it anymore, but I was a grad assistant, but I was just an assistant. I wasn't a grad I wouldn't take classes. So
3: mm-hmm. but
1: I was I was with uh Fresno State and Ray Lopes. I, I I said, you know what, I'm just gonna stick it out and coach with him and, and go from there and then he you know, some some bad luck happened with him and he, he ended up getting uh he ended up getting uh he ended up, you know retiring, not from retiring, but, you know, they let him go. And so he, you know, he wasn't a coach anymore in, in, in the industry. You guys know, once the head coach is gone, everybody's gone. You ain't have mm-hmm. no shot at nothing else. And so, um, what I, what I, uh, did was, you know, at the immediately when I called Mark Mamura and he was, he was helping an, a, a, an agency called court side. And I told him that I needed, uh, I told him that I needed, uh, some help. I needed to do something. And, uh, he said, "Hey, I, the best I could do is get you to a, a get you to a European camp in Europe." Um, luckily, Mark loved me. He didn't make me pay for it because I had no money to do anything. So he he got me there. He said, "I can get you here, but you you got to figure it all out yourself." I played well. Short story: I got to play for uh, a team over there called Weird, and then I played for the next year uh, for another team. And then as, as I was watching um, and playing, you know, super frustrated, you see guys that you played against. Um, that you know that you can compete with that are playing at a higher level. And then, you you know, you're also looking at yourself and being like, well, I'm 5'10". Where is this really going to take me? I'm not the most athletic guy. You know, you start thinking, you know, you're over there. It's yeah. it's tough. You do a lot of soul searching. You're by yourself. You're with, you know, you're with an, maybe two other Americans. And those two other Americans are only worried about themselves and what they're going to do with their money and, and how they're getting more money or what stats they need. And when you're not at a really, you know, high level, it's a lot different. And so... Um, you know, I I was just starting to think like, when, when am I going to start my life? Like, what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? And, and, uh, I love basketball. And so what was I going to do? You know, what was the plan? And so I was making like, you know, again, dumb, which I, (laughs) I was making like $2,800 or $3,000 a month, which is good money. I don't know what I was thinking, but at the (laughs) time, you know, (laughs) at the time you're hearing your boys talking, well, I'm making this, this, and this. And you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? And, uh, you know, I was sitting over there and I, you know, I told Mark that, you know, I probably could play one more year. And then obviously he was like, nah, you can't, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're pretty much done. <laughs> I don't think they want you back. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't put everything I had into it. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about everything else and what I can do. And so once, uh, once I figured out I was done playing, I started having a sharp figure out life. That's a tough spot to be. Um, again, that's a tough spot to be in, um, as an athlete, you don't know what you're going to do. And, you know, your athletic career is over, at least, you know, playing-wise.
0: Yeah, because you're only 24, 25 years old. Yeah,
1: I mean, you don't know what's going on. You think, you know, you think your whole life, and especially if you're a confident player, you're going to go to the league. You're going to make money playing basketball forever. And so that was a, kind of a, a, a jolt to my system. I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I, I uh, <clears throat> you know, I went back to Santa Barbara. I uh, got a job at Carl Karcher Enterprises because I was coaching the Laguna Blanca team. I was the assistant coach. If you look at my bio, I make sure they put it in there. Assistant coach for the Laguna Blanca <laughs> basketball team in Santa Barbara. And those kids at that school could run the world. I'm telling you, their parents were presidents of Carl Karcher Enterprises. I mean, they were; these were big time people. And so, yeah, I got a good job. And again, it's who you know, right? So right. I got a pretty good job. So I was making good money. Um, and, and, you know, I was coaching the AAU team another AAU team I was coaching a high school team I was the assistant coach there and you know I just remember wanting to get into coaching and and again it's who you know you know now it's, it's a lot different but I know eastern Washington was looking for an assistant coach um and so after after europe i went I went to CKE I, I worked at a small high school with probably you know 200 kids in it and then Lope said, Hey, there's a job at Eastern Washington and do you want to take it? And I said, Uh, yeah, why not? And it's like he's like, Well, it's for seventeen thousand dollars, but you're an assistant coach and you can recruit. And, you know, I got on the phone and I talked to the guy. The guy said, uh, we're looking for this. And what do you what do you what are your expectations? Uh, you know. All I knew though was high major basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you have a car, you have a phone, you have an office. And so I'm thinking, I can I'm getting all that, you know. And so when he says, "Hey, if you're interested, you know, let me know," and so instead of you know waiting for him, I, I packed my bags and I drove up and I drove to Eastern Washington and I met the guy and he gave me the job. Um, no experience at all. Um, I go, I, you know, I don't know how far this goes, but I lied about everything. I, I remember calling you and asking you about all these players and everything I needed to know, and I wrote them all down and I act like I knew them all and you know I name dropped every person I've ever known, you <laughs> know. <laughs> How were the how
0: were the other coaches since you were inexperienced? Did they actually really help you to get into the job and a routine and the things you should be doing or they kinda just No, you know? they,
1: they you know, it was it was a it was a tough it was a tough go. I mean Jamie Matthews was the associate head coach and I became close with him. Um the other coach was Rasheed Wortham. Uh, he was a young guy, and then uh the other coach was um was me, Jamie Matthews and Rasheed Wortham. And they were cool. They were they were good. You know, Jamie was a head coach before he came and coached with his friend and and uh Kirk Earlywine gave me an opportunity. He's a really good act and O's guy. Um I got to learn a lot from him. he 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 worked under um he worked under your guy who was at Utah. I always forget his name. Oh, I under his name. Great. yeah, he worked okay. yeah, he worked with majeris and uh, you know, he was kind of, you know, from the stories you hear, he was kind of similar to 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 that, or try to emulate that a little bit um but you know they helped me a lot you know but my first week was you know i had to take the recruiting test and then you're gone i mean i was a, I was a straight recruiter go mm-hmm. find pluggers. that was my job once once uh you know once that happened and then you know like like everything else you start just working your tail off you know you're the bottom you're making seventeen thousand dollars a year and you, you know you don't you don't have any idea you know you're just in basketball so you don't know that you're you know you're <laughs> you're poor you don't know that uh you're not eating. You don't know anything, right? You just you're you're in basketball. You're nervous, and you love it again. And it's right. fun, and it's you're about you're you're a part of it, you know. And again, it's something that, um, and it's something that you lived and breathed. And so, like, I did everything. I had anything they wanted, and I did more, and I gave them all the work. And so that's that's how I got into. Now, how, how, I got how many into seasons was
0: uh, early wine your boss? Two years, I believe.
1: Two years. Okay. He was there two years?
0: So then we get a new coach, years. and he decides going to keep you on.
1: Oh yeah, so yeah, so Jim Hayford, um, you know, he became the coach. He was he was at a D three, um, you know, down the basically down the street in Spokane, and they gave him the job. And he came in, and you know, everyone told me, hey, you know, you're probably going to. My stuff was packed up, <laughs> um, you know. If if my my car, I, mean, if I was all packed up, ready to go back down, and you know, tell everybody I gave it a try, and you know, figure out what I was going to do again. I was in I was in that mode again, but you know, my my girlfriend at the time was my wife now. Um, she says, keep going to the office. They didn't fire you yet. You're still getting a paycheck. And so I kept going to the office. No one was there, but I kept going to the office. I kept working guys out. I was helping, you know, players figure out what they were doing. Um, you know, I was I was literally running. You know, I had people calling me about scheduling. I had no idea. I was telling yes to everybody about scheduling everything. <laughs> I was being friends. With. All these coaches were calling me, you know, trying to get games. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> 100%. Can I get your phone number? Let me get your cell. You know, I was trying to, you know, start talking to people. And, and, uh and so I just go into the office every day. And then um when the new coach came, uh it was, it was me and another coach who were there. And, and, um and, you know, they, they, you know, they were like, what do you want to do? I was like, I'd love to stay here. You know, I, Lopes, I just play the game with him and figure out what he wants to do. And, um, he says you may have a shot you know just because he he might not know a lot of people in D1 basketball which he didn't mm. you know luckily and so you know i ended up becoming his bottom assistant and he didn't he didn't give me any more money <laughs> he's like this must be the cheapest guy in the world <laughs> uh, but he brought over two other guys and i was his bottom assistant i did like again i i figured a way out to make myself you know you know you know useful i did anything they needed uh, scouts working out, guys. I was first one in. I mean, when you say first one in, I mean I basically there was heating and there was. I mean, I lived in the office. You mm. know, um, I ate meals on campus whenever they had a. I mean, I was I was not making anything, but whenever they had anything on campus, I'd show up. So I knew everybody on campus. Um, you know, they're 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 having you know something for you know this week. I was there for that week. I'd help them clean up as long as I got a free meal. I mean, I was doing everything on campus. I didn't do anything but but hoops. And so. Um, you know, I became part of that culture. And so when that guy got it, you know, when he did really well, um, I was his associate head coach. I was there every step of the way. And then once he got a head coaching job, it was easy for me to slide into the head coaching spot because I became part of that university. Everybody knew me. It was really comfortable. I recruited most, I recruited dang near all the guys on the team. And, and you um, got, and you got lucky
0: boys. because you met your wife yeah, and you got luckier in the sense that she played basketball so yeah, she so kind she of understood that. how this whole oh. thing works as far as available time what what the job yeah. entails uh, you know yada 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 so yeah talk yeah,
2: about so the fact talk about the fact that in 2014 2015 Eastern Washington finally turns it around with a twenty six nine record in Big Sky Conference. You win the regular season, you go in, you win the tournament, and you qualify for the NCAA basketball tournament. What kind yeah. of thrill was that in that area?
1: It was unbelievable. You know, um, if you look at you look at that roster, and a lot of people, you know, you can' There's not a lot of guys that were recruited Division one players. You know, uh, Tyler Harvey I think was the, was the main guy in that team. Right out of L A, he was that he went to uh, Bishop Montgomery High School. He That's walked right. on to Eastern he walked on to Eastern Washington and led the country in scoring that year. Um, you know, we had a kid named Banky Joyce. That was all league that no one knew about from Australia. He was, he was, um, you know, a Hindu kid. I mean, he was unbelievable basketball. We had some guys that no one could really see. It was one of the, it was one of the things that like you, you're watching it. It's just, it felt like, you know, when you're seeing Tyler Harvey hit step back threes and, and lead the league and scoring when he came in, I mean, he he, he was one of the smallest guys he came with a broken foot. He was a while he walked on for two years. I mean, and then he takes his team and he does this, you know, he he becomes a a, a draft, an NBA draft pick. And so it was, it was something, you know, to be a part of. I mean, when you talk about working, I was in the gym every day and he was there every day except Sunday. Oh, wow. And so, you know, he'd come to my office and say, hey, he's, that's, shoot. he's your type Everything
3: of guy. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> a, as, a, real, a, a real gym boss, rat. I'm like, dude, yeah. you know, but, but you're thinking like I'm having to deal with all the scholarship guys and all the things they need and all this that and the other when this kid comes in and says hey let's go shoot coach and I'm like oh my god this kid again Jesus but we went every single day and he wanted to put me through a drill every single day and so it was like hey can you what should I be doing I said let's go I'm I'm here every day and so he came every day except Sunday and uh he became he's making you know I, I just he just sent me a picture of him and his uh him and his wife he just had a baby but you know that was an unbelievable basketball team because they all they were all together. They all had one common goal. You know, and, and that year before that, we were close. We didn't make the conference tournament, but we were right. Through, we were a game and a half behind it. So that next year, they really blew up. They they became a real close team, and then it just took off from there.
2: Wow! And then in March of two thousand seventeen, you become the head coach, as you had indicated before. Uh, yeah. Could you believe that you were actually the head coach of the university at that time? Was it? No, was
1: it? I couldn't. It was unbelievable. I remember calling Dave. I, not, I mean, I had an idea. I mean, I wrote down, you know, my, what I wanted to do, who I wanted to hire, all the things I wanted to run. How? I, I mean, I had it was all it was all scripted out, like what I wanted to do and everything. But it was still, I mean, there was only three hundred you know sixty jobs, of, of, or you know around there, right. Division One head coaches at the time. It was like three fifty three, and I was thirty six or thirty seven years old, you know, and I was one of the youngest coaches in college basketball, and so like. You know, it was like, it was like right from there. You know, my thing was, how am I going to win and do better than the guy that was ahead of me? Because he just went to the tournament and just got another job. It's hard to follow guys like that, right? And so your thought process is, well, shoot, you got to get to the tournament, right. You know, and uh, that's the that's 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 the measuring stick now, because if you if you're gonna, you know, and I never even thought about leaving Eastern Washington. I wasn't even in my, in my thing was to make that place as good as Gonzaga, and so that was one of the things um that i was you know looking forward to doing um you know as that. so when i when i sat back when we got the job um you know my wife and i went through every single thing we went through every single phone call text message everything she stood up all stood up all night because you know we she you know like you said she was a part of that whole thing she i mean she was a hooper she got it so it was easy but you know, we, we, we moved into that thing pretty, pretty easily. And, you know, a little nervous, but I was more excited than anything. I couldn't believe it, that it was happening. You know, it's like, you know, you always think nothing good happens to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you, and you got an
0: in-house person to critique your coaching.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, and then, yeah, you got an in-house person, like you said, Uncle Dave, to critique your coaching night in, night out, every decision you make. And so, Recruits, players, and you know what? I, I, I will give her this. Every recruit she didn't like ended up not being very good and having to leave. Ended up transferring anyway, which is which is crazy. She always this kid's not this kid's not a kid you can. I'm like he can do this, this, and this. In year two, the kid's ready to go. Couldn't couldn't do it, you know. And so she has been on point with that. But no, it was it was you know you just once you once you got it, it was just like okay, where's the where's the contract? Let me sign this paper. I mean, I remember giving Bill Chase one of the biggest hugs in the world because. You you see it happening but you just don't believe it's happening. Right. And so Bill Chase was the A D at the time, was now in North Dakota. You know, once the head coach, once Jim Hafer took the job in Seattle, you know, I thought a thousand things were going to happen. It it wasn't going to happen for me, this, that, and the other. It's just impossible to happen. And the A D called me in my office, called him in, called me into his office and said, Hey, would you like to be the coach? Uh and I said, yeah, why not? Of course. He said, well, sign this contract. I, it could have been for $20 out of have signed. This, you know, <laughs> but, you know it, was, it was for more money than I ever thought I'd make ever in my life. And and it was one of the best uh, moments, uh, you know, uh, of my life. I got that. I got my first job which was pretty cool. And and uh, I just remember sitting back and, and not really believing it um, or waiting for something, you know, something bad to happen. And they'd be like, no, Jim Hayford's coming back. Some bad stuff happened. And. You know, he didn't, wasn't able to sign his contract, so you won't be, you know, your contract. You know, I was just thinking of every possible, you know, negative scenario that could possibly, you know, occur. And so it didn't. And, you know, we, we you know, the rest is history. I was really excited about it.
2: So you went through four straight winning seasons, uh, doing an excellent job of coaching there. And then in 2020, you won the Big Sky Conference uh, Coach of the Year. And yeah. Obviously, that had to be pretty exciting. But then two days later, the Big Sky tournament was canceled due to COVID. Yeah. How disappointing was that?
1: Well, it was it was a really tough time at that time. So we went to the tournament championship every single year. I was a head coach at Eastern. And so my first year was like, it, you know, we had one of the better players. Our second year, you know, we, we, we had some guys missed and we weren't the best. And then we ended up being really good in the Big Sky, getting third and, and going to the championship. And that next year, which you're talking about is the year we, you know, we really played well. Um, you know, what's crazy is I've never missed a practice or a player, uh, i never missed a practice as a player or a coach, but that year was extremely hard because, you know, COVID hit and we couldn't make it. But on that Monday of the championship, you know, we had two games to play for the championship. My mother passed away. Oh, wow. And yeah. so, and so it was, it was one of the craziest things ever. Cause I mean, I was I was going to go to practice. I was, you know, I had I uh, had everything ready. I had a plan. I, you know, I talked to my brother. I walked into the office and started going to the basketball court. And I was just trying to think about, you know, what we were going to do. And I just I couldn't do it. I broke down and had to go home. But the first time, I, so I missed our Monday practice. And then, you know, I, you know, everything settled and we talked about everything. And you know, we went and won that championship. And it was like, you know, my brother's always giving me a hard time. She says, "Well, if you ain't gonna be able to go there, if she wouldn't be able to go to the NCAA tournament, my mom." She's definitely going to drop COVID on us, so we can't go anywhere. So, <laughs> you know, and, and if you knew her, you knew you knew that was the case. Uh, but no, we you know it was it was one it was really tough. But I was I felt good about you know where the program was. I felt good about winning you know a league championship. Um, I felt good about a lot of different things. It was just a very sad time because my mom passed away. And, um, but I got to see you know at, during that time you know it was, we got to see I had some friends that I was really close to come. Come to my mom's service and i got to, I haven't seen them for a while we got guys together um uncle dave was there i mean it was it was very uh you know it was it was bittersweet i got to see some people and, and hear some stories about my mom and, and different things like that so the next year i knew we had to be really good and everybody came back except for the mvp of the league and so we did it again the next year
0: all right well, we are ready to take our final break and then we will come back and finish up with our guest shante leggins
3: and uh hang in there we'll be right back After a commercial break, we are
0: going to come back again to the Captain's Table and we still have Shante Leggins on and we are wrapping up with Shante. Um, and I want to say isn't it amazing how we can cover basically 41 years of your life in an hour? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think I think that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> hey, you, this should have been there's an old show before your time, actually before my time too called, you know, This is Your Life. And that's what that's what this sounds like, you know. It's been uh, wonderful going back because I've had the privilege to be part of your life, and reminisce about this stuff. And of course, yeah, it was. Uh, I remember I remember how you were um, with your mom's <laughs> funeral, and it was great to see all your guys there too. And uh, you know, as much as you can say this about these things, it turned into a nice day, even though it was a it tough, did. even though it was a tough day. You know,
1: no, um, it was it was a day that I won't forget. I mean, yeah. Brian Weathers and. Solomon Hughes showed up, you know, I had some, uh, you know, those, those guys, those are the guys I played rockfish with. Yeah. You know? Ray um, Ray was there. Guys, you know? Yeah. yeah. Low showed up. Sal so was there. I mean, everybody that was it meant something to my mom and myself, uh, it was kind of, you know, you see it, everybody, and it's just everybody, you know, I grew up with and, uh, you know, you see a couple of her friends and, you know, she, you could see how much she poured into me <clears throat> because, uh, the people around, around me knew her so well, you know? And so mm-hmm. that was, that was, uh, that was a, uh, one of those things that, uh, you know you look back on it, it was it was a nice day it was it was pretty good set up and um you know we had a great meal afterwards at our favorite place and we ate well and she liked that Cajun kitchen spot and we all went there it was it was it was it was a, it was a good day you know yeah. it was a day that we haven't had probably ever you know with everybody together
0: yeah i was uh i was i was it felt good to be up there with you at that time yeah, yeah i want to say um of course, Nick uh, brought your coaching record and the Eastern Washington record into play and all that. So, you know, in your last season, you won the Big Sky Tournament. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Eastern Washington's doing pretty well. And then, bingo, you're moving on. So, was yeah. was that a little bit of a, because you had, I mean, in a, I guess in a way you could say Hayford built it, but then you built it up, similar to Mark Few coming in at Gonzaga after Dan Monson. So... I mean, I'm sure you were ready to do something else because you like a challenge. But you know, it it couldn't have been a snap decision. Boom! I mean, to all of a sudden, oh, no. to say Portland.
1: It was, no, it was it was crazy because my wife and I didn't mind being in Eastern Washington. You know, she she's from she's from Serbia, and so her only place she's been was was you know Eastern Washington. We went and played basketball there, and she spent her whole time there. I was there my whole time. We had our you know we had our kids there, so we felt really comfortable there. But You know, the athletic director at the time, not the person who hired me, we got a new athletic director who came in and she didn't want to give me anything on my contract that, you know, would resemble, you know, being the, you know, the best team in the conference for the past, you know, four years. And so, I mean, being the all-time winningest in four years, win percentage-wise in the Big Sky was, you know, it didn't mean too much. And we just went to the tournament and we haven't not been to a championship. And so, you know she was really like wishy-washy with our contract and how she wanted to do things and it really made you know it really made my wife and I feel really uneasy you know especially you know now you got two kids and you know you're not living you know 16,000 and just you know living in the office now you got you know I got two little kids and I have a wife now and so it's like now you got to figure out what we're doing you know for you know for the family you know it's not you know it's not just me anymore if it was just me I you know we figure it out we can roll and keep it moving but we have a family now. And so now the priorities change, you know, a bunch. And so when she wouldn't, you know, you know, budge on, you know, giving my assistant coaches, you know, a full year, you know, they wanted to give month to month contracts, you know, and me a six month contract, you know, I'm looking at every coach in our league. They've got guaranteed contracts. I, I had a, I had a six month. So if I'd have got fired, you know, you know, they would have been the six month deal. And so like, I'm like, that's not, you know, I got an agent and, you know, I had him look at, he said, this is the worst deal in college basketball and and you know he he put something together for me and he said hey this is pretty much on par with low budget you know schools and this that and the other you just you just want to be compensated for just one year even you know it's not even for the fact that it's fully guaranteed and the things she would say back were you know they weren't very truthful you can't have guaranteed disney i'm like well washington state has that and you know uw has that and gonzaga has that i Mm -hmm. said you know i'm just asking for a year so anyways you know, I didn't feel really comfortable about it. I did love that place. We had a really good team. All the kids would have came back. And so when I was, you know, approached by a couple of schools, I said this was a school that I was really excited about because it was in the Northwest, which I don't mind at all. And it was in the WCC, which, you know, has multiple bids going to the conference tournament, I mean, going to the NCAA tournament. And it has some of the best coaches to coach against, you know, Mark Few and Randy Bennett. And those guys at the top of the league, you have the, you get the coaching, you get the coaching, you know, challenge the best player, the best coaches, um, the, especially from what, where I was coming from, so I was really excited about that. Um, and so that was that was it was very exciting. It was it was challenging. I was told, don't take this job because you know, it's a it's not a, it's not a really good one. But I'm looking at the job I was at and you know where where it went from and you know where we got it. And I said, why can't we do that here at Portland? You know, Portland's a great city um the communities behind it and I, I was really excited about it once i got here and went to campus and, see that and that so was in
0: with, with with who you are so you are the underdog so here's this yeah. underdog job and you're saying i've been able to i know this word's overused this phrase but i've been able to overachieve all my life right so yeah. what's the big deal i've got i've yeah, got i've got probably better resources here in a higher league so what if they've been at the bottom of the league it's just a great opportunity.
1: It is. And then, you know, you go through and you just got to find. It. And the thing is, you know, you talk to all these other players and, you you know, you recruit and they're like, well, they get this, this and this. And I want guys like that. I want guys who want to go beat those guys and take what those guys got, you know. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that's that's, you know, that's the whole thing. You're right. You know, and I, you know, I didn't even look at it like that, to be honest. That's the first time I really thought of it like that uh, until you said that. And so. Um, no, it, it, you know, I looked at the job and there were some other ones that opened up. I just thought, you know, a city, a particular sin city wouldn't be good for me. Um, you know, knowing who I am and, you know, what can happen in, in certain spots. <laughs> so I said, There's no way you want to talk about food. It's all in one spot, Uncle Dave. And so, you know, that wasn't, a, that wasn't, a, that wouldn't have been a great idea for me. So no, I, uh, we saw this one and this, you know, the athletic director here was always honest and straight up with me. And. You know, I thought it was the best spot for me, and you know, um, it's still on the West Coast. We get to get down there and see people, and my family could come to games. I could see you guys at games, and so it was, it was a perfect fit. It wasn't like, oh, this is the, you know, I haven't been given, you know, this is the job. There's a, there's a, you know, you got, you got a 50 million dollar budget. No, it's, 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 it is what it is, you know, and mm-hmm. so um you know i'm lucky to be here i'm really excited about you know what we could do here but you've now um, been a head, one, uh, a
0: head. i'm sorry to cut you off you've now been a head no. college coach for how long now
1: uh shoot going in going to my ninth year next year can you believe that
0: and you're wow. and you're going to turn 41 so you were 32 yeah. right and mm-hmm. you're still considered in that profession a young coach and now you have nine yeah. years of division one head coaching experience so you know no, yeah, sorry. Not, so I'm going on my seventh
1: year, your seventh year. Seventh
0: year, year. okay. So yeah. Portland, you know, maybe right now is still suspect, but you know, I would imagine you're you're a pretty hot prospect out there. As far as people know your name and look for this guy, he's a right, he's a rising star in the profession type of a thing. I mean, I know you don't you don't think about it that way, knowing you and also knowing your job, you don't have time to sit in front of the mirror every day and tell you how tell yourself how great you are and how yeah. wonderful you are. Yeah, but. You you are aware of that, right? I mean, you're in a pretty good position, I would say.
1: No, we are. You know, we we are. I mean, you know, you look at it, and you you always, you know, it's it's crazy because you know I just had a teacher conference meeting with my with my uh, about my daughter, and she compares herself to everybody else, and what you know where they're at, and it's funny because I'm like, why would she do such a thing? And then I get home, and I'm comparing myself to all these coaches that are going to NCAA tournament, and all these coaches that are mm-hmm. giving this. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. You- that's where she gets it from me and my wife you know we compare all the time it's just it is what it is but we also you know sometimes you know look on the bright side of things and see you know well, we're actually in a good spot you know we've we've done good here um the athletic director likes us here you know you get you know guys will come to you and tell you you know you know i don't i don't look at the twitter stuff as much as a lot the next guy but you know twitter says nice things about you when jobs open and you know you see all that kind of stuff but you also you're humbled because you just got your butt kicked all season long by all these coaches that you said you're better than. <laughs> and so now you got to go back to the drawing board and come back next year and be even better. And mm-hmm. so um, you know it it is good, and it's really hard to get in these spots. And, and when you look at certain coaches and you see how long they've been there, you you, you know instead of you know being a hater, what the kids will say, um, I'm more of a guy that you know appreciates you know how they got there. And so you know I want to you know looking at Mark Hugh, he's been there forever, looking at. Looking at Randy Bennett, he's done it for twenty something years at the same spot, doing it the right way, and, and he's got his team in the NCAA tournament and you know playing for championships. That's that's the goal, man. That's what you want to be doing. You want to play for championships, and so um, yeah, you look at that and you see yourself, but you see yourself still far behind some of those other guys, and you just want to keep edging closer every day. You want to keep getting better and, and going after those guys, man. Just like when I was a player, yeah, you know, go yeah. after them like like there's nothing else there.
0: Well, you have the drive. I have no doubt that you're going to get there. Hey, that is, uh, we've run out of time for this show, and actually, we could probably do a two-hour segment with you and to other stuff, too, but yeah. an, hour, an hour is all we have. And, uh, you know, for Nick uh, and myself, you know, uh, you, you were a great guest, and uh, I think I can speak for both of us. We enjoyed talking to you.
2: Coach, you were fantastic, and I really appreciate you spending the time with us. It was enjoyable hearing your stories and uh, just going back in time and listening to all the different things that you encountered. So, uh, pleasure. Thank you so much no, for thank, joining us. Thank
1: you. Dad told me to keep it PG, so we <laughs> do not want to talk about any transition homes or anything like that. We kept all that yeah. stuff out.
2: So that was Fair enough.
1: We didn't get to the nitty-gritty.
2: <laughs> well, We'll have a Jim beer or two somewhere in the future and talk about that. Though. For sure,
0: for sure. <laughs> yeah. So Shante, thank you Thank gym, you again, and I've got to sign off now. I'm going to tell everybody you, you need to tune in tomorrow for another episode of the Captain's table, and it's going to be basketball again. Thank you..